them to fruition and, and, and looking back and saying, I did what God wanted me to do. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's what we want to do in our lives. Let's look at uh, verses 7 and 8. We'll start out. We're going we're gonna to sw- swap around here in chapter 1 of Joshua. But verses 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I want to talk to you this morning about God's three essentials to success from from these verses. God's three essentials to success. You've got to have these if you're going to accomplish anything. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've got goals in life, right? Yeah. Raise your hand if you want to do anything. (laughs) Okay. We've got we've got them. All right. Let's ask God God's blessing on this message. First of all, Father, we just thank you today that, Lord, you are calling us to be successes for you. You are calling us to be able to do those things that seemingly are impossible, but you have planned them out for us to do. God, give us vision, give us clarity this morning as we look into your word. Speak to us through your holy word this morning. And Lord, challenge us to be all that we can be in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God never asks you to do anything without his help. He's going to be there to help you. He revealed in Joshua uh, three, three essentials to success. In the next 25 minutes, I, I hope that you're going to be able to understand these three essentials and be able to apply them to your life. So that's what we're going to look at, God's three essentials to success. The first one is this, clarity. Clarity. You've got to be clear on what it is you want to accomplish in life. You got to get a clear picture from God. What does he want you to do? What does he want you to be? What does he want you to accomplish over for instance the next 12 months? What does God want you to do? Clarity. Verses 1 to 3. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I said to Moses. Clarity. That's the starting point. Do you see the clarity in what God gave him? Yeah. He said, look, this is what I want you to do. Here's the plan. You're going to go over across the Jordan, and, and, and you're going to take the promised land. And every place your foot, foot treads, that's going to be your property. Okay? So that's what's going to be. Very clear. Very, very clear indeed. Clarity. That's the starting point. God specifically outlines the what, the when, the where, the why Joshua was to take over the land. He says, this is what I want you to do. Okay? And you need a clear-cut goal. You've got, you've got to figure out, what is it that God is calling me to do 
with my life. God has a purpose for your life. You're not just here by accident. You're not just here to take up space. You're not just here to breathe the air. Okay? He wants you to accomplish something with your life. He has called you. He has specifically, he has given you gifts. He's given you talents. He has given you abilities. He's given you experiences that no one else has had. He has given you a personality that is not like everyone else's. He has given you all these things, and he has molded you to be just the person that you want to be, or he wants you to be. Okay? He's given you everything you need to be and do the things that he wants you to be and do. Whatever God has called you to do, he has gifted you to do. And whatever he has gifted you to do, he's called you to do. If you're gifted, if you find that your gifts are in the area of music, guess what he wants you to do? He does not want you to be an auto mechanic. Unless it's a singing auto mechanic, you know? If, if, whatever, if he's given you gifts of teaching, guess what he's calling you to do? Somehow, somewhere, some way, you are called to be, you are called to be a teacher because you have those gifts. God does not squander his gifts. Whatever he has gifted you to do, that is what he is calling you to do. Now, you may not do it the same way the, the person sitting next to you might do it. They might have the same gifts, but you might have a different personality. You might have a different passion. You might have a different heart. Some teachers have a heart for, for young people, and so they're called, they're, because of that heart, that passion, they're called to minister to young people. Others, they have a, they have a heart for, for older people and adults. So they're called to teach and minister to older people. You need to find out how has God shaped you and get a clarity about it, and then that's where the, you need to go. Okay? So be specific. I, I find one of the things that always helps me and, and not only this, but, but scientific research actually bears this out. If you will write down what your goals are, what you believe God is calling you to do, if you will write it down, you will have a much better chance of actually bringing that to fruition. But you've got to write it down. Yeah. Write it down. They've actually, ac actually, the research studies have shown that if you write it down in your own hand, I know, I know, uh, kids don't know how to write cursive anymore, so they've got to print. <laughs> but if you write it down with your own hand, that's even more effective than typing it and word and word processing it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's strange. But do it however you want to do it. But get some goals. Get with God. Get alone. Get some clarity from God on what it is that God wants you to accomplish in your life. And write it down. And then you, you can't write it down and then stick it away. Write it down and read it. Write it down and look at it every day. Write it down and look at it and be reminded of it. And ask God to bring that even when you're driving down the road. God, bring this to my mind when I've got time that I can just think and I can pray and I can think about this, bring it to my mind. Remind me of this. Get some clarity. You also get clarity as you write things down because you, you, obviously you've got to get some clarity when you're writing. Okay? You can't just write something vague. Well, I want to be more successful. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. Get some clarity. Get exact. So clarity is the first thing. Write it down. Secondly, confidence. 
You see, even though we might have clarity, even though we might know exactly what God wants us to do and what he wants to accomplish, if we don't have any confidence, we're never going to do it. Evidently, Joshua had some problems in this area because God constantly keeps saying, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Look, look at verses seven or 6, 7, and then verse 9. Be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left hand that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 9, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Confidence. Joshua evidently was lacking a little bit of that. I can understand why. Moses was the great leader. And now he's dead. That's how Joshua starts out. That's how the whole book of Joshua starts out. Moses is dead. That's depressing. And here's Joshua, second in command, and God says, you, Joshua, are now the man. And he's like, I can't be like Moses. I can't do the things Moses did. What are you talking about? Joshua, you the man. That's it. You the man. You know, I don't want to hear excuses. You the man, Joshua. Yeah, no wonder he lacked confidence, you know. He's walking in the footsteps of Moses. He's in Moses' shadow. So God had to come and he has had to keep telling him, be strong and be courageous. I'm with you. Be strong and be courageous. Be, have confidence, in other words. Typically, once you set a God-given goal, God has given you clarity. And you set that, and you, you say, this is where I, I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to do. Immediately after you set it, you start having doubts. That's when Satan comes in. He starts talking. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? That's ridiculous. That's impossible. And, and Satan starts, starts talking. And you begin to ask yourself things like, is this really God's will? Does God really want me to have this? Do I really deserve this? Is this just a selfish request? Am I stepping out? Who am I to do this? You know, What if I'm wrong? And you start second-guessing yourself. The Bible reminds us, though, that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You have not because you ask not. You have to be clear in your destination, your direction, what do you want out of life, but you also have to be confident with that desire. Peanuts cartoon. Do you, do you like Charlie Brown? I always think of Charlie Brown at Christmas time. Yeah. You, Charlie Brown special comes on, the Christmas special. Isn't that fabulous? Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown standing there playing baseball. He's standing out there in, in the outfield, and here comes a pop fly. And here's what he says. A pop fly. I've got it. It's all mine. And Charlie Brown's running to get to get to it. If I catch this ball, we'll win our first game of our of the season. And, and then he starts praying. Please, Lord, please let me catch it. Let me be the hero. Please, Lord, let me catch it. Please. And the, and the next column. On the other hand, Lord, do I think I deserve to be the hero? The kid who hit the ball, he doesn't want to be the goat. 
is baseball, a game, really that important? Lots of kids all over the world never even heard of baseball. Lots of kids don't even have a place to play at all or have a place to sleep or a place and just about that time the ball drops right in front of him. Plop. Linus comes over and says, Charlie Brown, how could you miss an easy pop fly like that? And Charlie Brown says, I prayed myself out of it. (laughs) Oh, we do it, don't we? We, get, we, we think we know what God wants us to do. We get a clear direction. We said, yep, this is it. This is what I'm going for. And then once we start, the doubt starts coming in. We start talking to ourselves. And we, say, and we pray ourselves out of it. Well, Lord, maybe I could settle for something less than this. Maybe I, sh- I, I set my sights too high. I, uh, and we pray ourselves out of it. The literal, the literal translation in Hebrew of be strong and courageous. The literal translation, and this is the way, uh, by the way, the Good News Bible actually translates this in English. Be determined and confident. Be determined and confident. Discover with clarity what God wants you to do. And you want to know? Ask him. (laughs) Ask him. He's more than willing to tell you. Trust me. He's more than willing to tell you because he wants you to know. And then be determined and be confident. Why does God say that so many times to Joshua? Because it's fear, not problems, that get in our way. That keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. It's fear, not problems. Even the promised land is going to have problems. It's got giants in it. It's got massive armies that are going to have to be defeated. You have problems wherever you go, but it's fear that keeps you in the wilderness. It's fear that have that, that, that you have to attack and you have to tackle. Now, when you're when you're committed to doing the will of God, God can speak to, to your desires. He can He can use your desires as, as guiding steps. He can give you the right desires, and that helps with your your clarity. You know, but but there are some things that rob us of confidence. Right? Let me give you three three examples, three things. The first thing that robs us of confidence is experiences. And you might say, well, wait, no. If you're if you're more experienced, then you're going to have more confidence. No. It depends on what those experiences have been. If you've had good experience in the past, then you're going to be confident. But a lot of us, we've had bad experience in the past. We've tried things, they didn't work out. And it it destroys our confidence. If you've had a bunch of failures, you're going to doubt. If you've had a bunch of flops, you're going to doubt. If you've had a bunch of fumbles, you're going to doubt. Yeah? If if your life has been full of heartbreaks, you're going to lack confidence. If your life has been full of hassles, you're going to lack confidence. If your life has been full of hurts, you're going to lack confidence. Sometimes our experiences work against us. and We've got to decide, am I going to focus on the bad experiences I've had, or am I going to focus on the good experiences? Sometimes we don't have any good experiences, and we just need to focus on God and the future. That's why he comes to Joshua and says, be determined, be confident, move forward, regardless of what you've experienced. The second thing is emotions. Emotions will destroy our confidence. They'll rob us of it. A lot of people, most people, 
I'd even say all people tend to make most of our decisions on emotion. Oh, I know. We like to talk about how we are logical, rational thinkers. We, we think things through. Yeah. What we really do in our minds is emotionally we make a decision and then we try to come up with rationalizations of why that decision is the right thing to do. Okay. We, we tend to make our most... I teach persuasion at Southeastern. And at Southeastern University, I, I teach speech and persuasion. And one of the things that I emphasize is if you're going to persuade anyone, you've got to tap into their emotions because you can give them all the arguments of rationality and logic that, that, you, that, that you can... Think, think of it this way. If, if we really were rational and logical individuals and we really made our decisions based on fact and logic and we considered all the options, I think about it. We would all be in perfect good health, good shape. Nobody would overeat because that's bad. We would get eight hours of sleep. We would drink 10 glasses of water every day, right? We would do that. We would take our doctor's advice all the time and do everything they said because rationally, logically, those are the things that we are supposed to do to live a good life, right? And to be healthy and happy. And we would come to church every single Sunday. We would never miss that because we know logically that it, it's very important for us to be spiritually fed as well. And we would do all, our lives would be completely different, wouldn't they? Because we make our decisions on emotions. And then we try to find the logic to back up what we've already decided we're going to do. That's it. That's it. Emotions will rob you of confidence, though. Okay? Yeah. Well, I just don't feel like it. I'm too tired. Guess what? The world is run by tired people. The third thing is excuses. Like we rationalize. We justify. Okay? Things like, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have the ability, I don't have the energy, I don't have the education. All, all, these are just excuses. Turn those excuses into prayer requests. Instead of excusing yourself with what you don't have, pray about it if that's what you need. And ask God to provide it. You have not because you ask not. Don't use it as an excuse. Make it a prayer request. And then move forward. Well, you know, the, the third thing, the third thing I want to talk about is commitment. There's clarity, there's confidence. But even if you have clarity and you know where you're, you're going and you know what you're supposed to be doing and you have and, and you have confidence, you know that you you, you could achieve this because you, you've got God on your side. God's going to help you. He's calling you to do it. You're still never going to step out and do anything if you don't have commitment. Commitment, that's a nasty word in our society today, isn't it? Commitment. Joshua 1.9, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be committed to your decision. It means that once you've started, never, ever, ever look back. Remember Luke 9.62, Jesus said to the one man, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Because you know what happens if you got your hand on the plow and you're looking back? 
Same thing happens if you're driving down the road and you're turned around looking back. Yeah, you start going off track, right? There is a reason why in our cars the windshield is this big and the rearview mirror is this big. There's a reason, okay? Because we're supposed to be looking forward and seeing where we're going. Don't look back. Joshua, don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Stick with it. Hang in there. What are you committed to? A lot of people are afraid of commitment. They're afraid of making commitments. Maybe you, know, you, you know people like this. I know you aren't like this, but you know people like this. They begin one job, and then, and then problems come up, so they quit. Well, then they finally find another job, you know, and guess what? Problems come up, and they quit, right? Yeah. They begin one project, and they get bored with it, and they quit. I, I'm, bad, I'm bad on this. This is a problem for me. I get excited about things for a short time. I'm, I, I suffer from shiny object syndrome. Because the next shiny object comes by, and it's like, yeah, I want to try that. I want to do that. You know, I have to force myself to, to carry through because I get bored easily. You know, oh, well, I know how to do this. You know, yeah, but you're not done with it yet. You know, right? So, you know, marriage. Whoa. People get bored. You know, I'm bored with this marriage. You know, and they quit. And they move on to the next one. Churches. Ah, I'm kind of bored with this church. Maybe I need to move on to the next one. Oh, but that's, that's never what they say. Well, you know, I'm just not being spiritually fed there anymore. It's the preacher's fault. I love what T.D. Jakes said one time. Someone came to T.D. Jakes and said, Well, Pastor, I'm leaving your church because I'm just not being spiritually fed. You need to change the way you preach your sermons. And he said, You know, if I put out food and I've got a family of 12 and all 11 of my children, 11 of the 12, are growing and they're, they're putting on weight and they're happy and they're healthy and they're doing good, and the one child says, I'm not eating this food, he goes, I don't change my recipe. <laughs> if you're not being spiritually fed, guess what? There's several hundred other people in this church that are being spiritually fed. So maybe the problem isn't with the food. Yeah. All right. All right. Notice what Joshua did. Joshua chapter 3. Notice how Joshua prepared the people to be committed, to make the effort. They were getting ready to go into the promised land. They were on one side of the Jordan River. You know, they're getting ready to cross it. You know, this is graduation day. This is... This is the point of no return. And in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify. Other translations render that into English, consecrate yourselves. It means to set, you, set apart something for a holy purpose. Set apart something. Okay? Sanctify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Commit yourselves to this yes. venture. 
Because God is going to do something great in your midst. When you commit yourself, God is able to move in. When you, when you get that clarity of where God wants you to go and be and do, and then you've got the confidence to say, yes, I'm going to go with God. And then you make that commitment to actually step out and do it. God will move in and you will see amazing wonders happen in your life. Things that you thought were impossible, things you wondered. At the end of this next year, you will look back and you will say, how did I ever accomplish all of this? God did it. That's what. You know, there's some things you just can't do a little at a time. You can't jump the Grand Canyon with a few small steps. You better take one big leap. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going down. <laughs> I mean, you've got you to commit yourself. you just got to say, hey, I'm going through with this. Problems will come up, but you say, no, I am committed. Pressures will tempt you to give up. No, I am committed. People will tempt you to give up. No, I am committed. Because people will disappoint you sometimes. They'll disapprove of you sometimes. They'll dislike you sometimes. They'll deride you. They will disparage you. But say, no, I am committed to this because this is what God has called me to do. The decisions you make, the path you choose to travel, the purpose you intend to pursue... The words you say, all of it, people will come against you. You're going to be misunderstood and ridiculed and criticized and mocked and laughed at and made fun of. It's all right. You're in good company. I think someone else had that happen to them. I think his name was Jesus. So the third key in God's strategy for success, never give up. Clarity, confidence, and commitment. I may have told you this story before but I remember I remember when Trisha and I when we were engaged and we were going to get married we went to our premarital uh, counselor and of course I was going to be a a Methodist holiness pastor and uh, he knew that and so we're, we're at our counselor and he said he says let me tell you something he said there's one word that you are to never say you are to never entertain. You are to never think about. You are to never threaten. It's called divorce. Don't even think of it. And you'll do all right. Because he, he, he knew the Methodists, the holiness movement at that time. Uh, we had a joke running in, in our group. Uh, you could you could divorce your wife, uh, and uh, that was the end of you. Now you could murder your wife and go to prison for a while, but then when you got out, you'd be a famous preacher, you know, and you could say, "Oh, look at me," you know, and and they we we take you back on that one. Just don't ever divorce. That was our that was our running joke, and it just about worked that way too. Honestly, <laughs> it really did. Now, now some some of you some of you are divorced, and I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying. Whatever you're in the commitment now, make that commitment. Okay? You can't go back and change what's happened in the past, but make that commitment now. Now. And I'll tell you what, 31, no, more than 31 years, 
I'm trying to think of what year it is. No, how about 33? 33 and a half years. There we go. 33 and a half years. That advice has paid off. Now, there's times when she probably should have threatened to divorce me, but she didn't. She listened to that advice. I'll tell you what, that advice works for all your commitments. And that's the kind of commitment that you're going to have to make if you're going to do what God wants you to do in this life. What is God calling you to do? What is he calling you to do this, this next year? You've got a month before the year starts to pray about it, to seek scriptures about it, to listen to God speak to you. Get a handle on God's vision for you and your family, and your life, and your ministry. What does God want to accomplish? And a year from now, look back and say, look what has transpired.